Welcome back, everybody, to the Ballers Edition podcast. It is April 30th, 2022, and we're into the second week of the NBA playoffs. And being that it's the second week, we have some great news. We're also into the second round. Eight teams are left. This is what's happening right now. Phoenix, Dallas, Golden State, Memphis, Miami, Philly, and Milwaukee, Boston. The last eight teams are ready to go. And so we got some interesting first rounds, some unexpected twists and turns that that I, I, I don't know what to make of. Um, it's going to be an interesting <laughs> offseason for some of these teams. But we did get to see some first round matchups from some young teams that look like they have a bright future. Mm-hmm. What Absolutely. do you think? What do you think, Baller? Um, well, to the young teams, they should all be very excited. You know, I think this represents the change in the NBA, in my opinion. You know, I think when we are talking about the Lakers and, you know, just their struggle, and I was feeling like they're struggling because the NBA now is shifting and the era is changing now. So the players that we've been so used to seeing at the very top of the league are now starting to have their decline. And it's showing, and the young players are coming up. And based on the way the rules are set up as well, it's in the advantage of the young players and the young team. Yeah. So I really think that we're seeing uh, a shift in the NBA. So it's, it's amazing to watch. It's fun. It's some new faces. It's guys who have something to prove, so they're playing hard every night. So it's, 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 it's exciting. You're actually looking forward to watching the games and seeing what actually takes place because it's all new. Yeah, I hear you. Like, I really enjoyed watching that Pelicans-Phoenix series. Mm-hmm. I really did. Even though Booker got hurt um, in it, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Pelicans' energy. I enjoyed what they bring to the table, you know what I mean? And even yep. though Phoenix is the best team in the NBA, they really, really gave them everything they had. And I think Phoenix needed that going on this run. They needed to be pushed. In that first round. And that yeah. and that Memphis series with Minnesota. Talk about a young team in Minnesota with a lot of talent. And, uh-huh. and and you spoke about this, you know what I mean, numerous amounts of times about, you know, Anthony Edwards and his talent and what his trajectory is going to look like. And you just seen greatness coming out of that team. They couldn't close a lot of those games, to be perfectly mm. honest with you. That yeah. <laughs> they, they, they could very well be into the second round right now facing Golden State. That's how well they, they act- played that series. They actually should be in yeah. the second round mm-hmm. playing Golden State. They had those guys on the ropes almost every game. Yeah. Except the one blowout that they lost. Yeah. But as you said, you know, you have to close things out. It's nice to have a flash in the pan, but if you can't actually close it, then it doesn't mean anything, you know? And I think Minnesota is going to sit down and really think about that part because they really should still be playing basketball right now. But I am in a way happy that Memphis still won, especially for what the second round's going to look like. I'm yeah. really excited to see them playing the Warriors. Yeah. I, I love Jaws energy. I know that they're not scared of the Warriors. I think that, you know, the Iggy situation is going to be a lot of mm-hmm. fun, too. Yep. So, you know, I think the history between the teams is going to make for a better series than if it would have been Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like Minnesota really had their number. Again, I think it's styles make fights kind of thing like bo- like boxing. So yeah. I'm not going to assume because uh, Memphis, you know, had such a rough time with Minnesota that it's going to be the same with the Warriors because they're a completely different team, yeah. right? So so I still think that this is something that Memphis can win. I actually think just like Phoenix, it actually was great for Memphis to have, to have to have gone through such a tough series to walk into the next round because yeah. now they're mentally prepared for a battle, yeah. you know? Yeah, And I think that that's going to really serve them well, especially early in the series, because the Warriors, for the most part, they had to struggle a little bit against Denver, but, mm. you know, they finished it early. They got rest. Yeah, They're probably, probably feeling pretty good about themselves. So I think Memphis has an opportunity to kind of punch them in the mouth early. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, I, I think we have to touch on it. But the, one of the mm. most interesting things about the first round, 
Um, only one team got swept, <laughs> which would be right. the team that was picked by everybody, including Vegas, had them as the number one favorites to win the NBA championship, the Brooklyn right. Nets, and they get swept in the first round. Now, there's a lot of reasons or a lot of things being said, being circulated around about why this team got swept. One of the uh-huh. things they're trying to say is Kyrie's absence was a big factor. Um, yeah. Kyrie's absence was the reason why James Harden left. Ben mm-hmm. Simmons and his back. Ben Simmons and mental issues. Kevin Durant, Steve Nash. There's so many things circulating on why this team was swept in this first round. What do you think was the reason why this team go from being the number one favorites to win the NBA championship to being swept in the first round? Um, I think I think one of the biggest factors was a point that you made, actually, when it came to the way that Boston was allowed to defend Kevin Durant. Mm. You know, I think that physical style of basketball and pushing him, bumping him, grabbing him, irritating him, I think it really threw his game off. You know, there was moments where he looked so frustrated that he's fumbling passes. He's fumbling the ball out of bounds. Yeah. You know, so I really think that that played a humongous role in the lack of productivity that we saw out of Kevin Durant. I've never seen him struggle like that. The closest thing I've ever seen to Kevin Durant look like that was when he first got into the NBA. No, I've seen it another time. I seen it another when, time. When? When? I'm curious. When? I seen it in the series versus San Antonio when he was in Oklahoma City, mm. and I, I remember it specifically because they took Kawhi off of Kevin Durant and they had to put him on Russ because Russ was a ah. nightmare for Tony Parker, and it was one of those reasons why I think a lot of people believed that it's really supposed to be Russ's team. Because in those moments, you were kind of seeing him fade. And you didn't understand why. You know what I mean? A lot of people speculated that Westbrook isn't a typical um, pass-first point guard and wasn't getting him into the games. I just seen the aggressiveness, the energy that Westbrook was bringing at that time is what they needed. And, and in that moment, when they played against San Antonio, it seemed like his aggressiveness was sort of fading. And it was like, we need you to be really aggressive, and you're not. So that I, I remember that moment, and I remember saying, I, I would take Westbrook over him just just because of that. And in that moment, you know, obviously it's an arrogant statement, but that's what I thought watching those games. And I hadn't seen yeah. it for years because after the fact, you fast forward. The only thing you remember about Kevin Durant is Golden State. To be perfectly honest with you. I really don't really remember a lot about OKC. I remember him winning and doing what he was doing in Golden State in that motion offense that no one could stop because it's like, do you pick Curry? Do you pick Clay? Who do you live and die with, right? And I and I seen a lot of reports coming out about the way Cleveland was guarding the Golden State Warriors in those finals and them saying, well, our attention was. Steph Curry And we didn't mind Kevin Durant Doing his thing We were focused on Steph So you're, 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 you're saying The best player in the world The best offensive player in the world Wasn't the primary focus of the defense In his final MVP runs You know what I mean So uh-huh. Yeah like I, I seen him sort of, yeah. so, sort of have that moment Like he had in Boston And I remember that San Antonio series so it was, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I I feel you. I mean, I guess I remember that series. I remember the Spurs. I remember Russ having you know a monster series. I even remember James Harden having moments where I was like, "Damn, he's carrying them." So I've seen Durant. I guess when you say when you say it that way, I've seen Durant not be dominant. I've seen Durant not just kind of have great moments under a lot of pressure. Mm. But I've never seen him so frustrated before. You know what I mean? I've never seen, I've never seen such irritation. 
Yeah. You know, when he was younger, I just looked at it as, well, he's seven feet and he's skinny. So he can't really do a ton against a certain type of defense because if he puts it on the floor, the little guys are going to kind of get in him and he's not strong enough yet to, to play with his back to the basket. But as he had gotten older and as he had gotten a bit stronger, more used to the league, he kind of figured that part out. So I just felt like, yeah, Durant had almost every tool that he could possibly ask for to be able to match and meet any type of defense. But again, he never had to deal with a situation where players were allowed to be so physical with him to the point where, you know, he's not even able to establish himself in a position on the floor. So it was still a little bit unique to watch, but I have seen, I understand what you mean, but I'll give Durant his credit. I remember OKC. Mm-hmm. I remember him. I remember the Dallas series. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember. I remember him playing ball. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, he's he he can play. It's just there are weaknesses to his frame and his stature as well. And there's always weaknesses. Nobody's flawless, right? And I think I think Boston with the size. You know, it's funny. It actually reminded me of what happened to Pascal Siakam with Boston. Mm. when they they had Marcus Smart guarding him. Mm. And he had such a hard time scoring on him because, and Jalen Brown also was on him, but he had such a hard time scoring because they were strong enough to resist him if he tried to lean on them, but they were still quick enough to match him and meet him at any spot that he went to. Yeah, and it, And it almost felt a little bit like that with Durant, where you had these guards who could get to any spot that he was at, and then at the same time, they're strong enough to be physical with him. And then honestly, I just think Tatum outplayed him too. Because I wouldn't even want to just put it all on the small guards because Tatum was matched up with him. Yeah. And I've seen Tatum block his shot. Block I've seen, I, yeah, right? Like I've seen moments where I was like, whoa. Even to the point I'm seeing the, you know, the headlines questioning if Tatum is the better player. And I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't dare say that. But I will say Tatum's ceiling is high enough that he can challenge a player like Kevin Durant for supremacy if he has the mentality. Because I think they said Tatum's like 6'10". I didn't know he's that long. I thought he was probably 6'9 the most. But if he's stretching towards 6'10", you know, there's something there. He can guard a guy like Kevin Durant. So... You know, I think Tatum outplayed him also. I think I think there were so many things that were going on with Durant and with Brooklyn. And obviously Kyrie didn't have it either. I don't know if it was because he was fasting and, you know, the, the, the grind of the game and the fatigue and not having water or food, which is a real thing, played a role in his assertiveness. Because there was a period of time where I was like, man, Kyrie doesn't even look like he's out there. And he was deferring a lot. So I was like, yeah. well, maybe he's tired or he's just fatigued and he's lacking, you know, the energy maybe. I, I think know? I think there's a little bit of that. I, I do think he wanted to get KD gone. I think he, I, I, watching it, I, I seen him trying to get him going. It was just, it just looked, it just looked like it was not going to happen. It was never going to click. And it, it kind of clicked, you could say, in, in game four. For Kevin Durant, but it was like it's too late. You know what I mean? And, and even Game Four wasn't pretty to me. No, you know Durant had some really bad looking turnovers. Now, I was like, what is going on here? I've never seen like some of it looked almost elementary school turnovers. Yeah. And I was like, what? What's happening? Like there were moments where I was like, he's making plays that look almost like a guy that doesn't know what he's doing. And that's a hell of a thing to say about somebody like Kevin Durant because he is such a smart player. And you have to assume he's seen it all by now. Yeah. You've played on the biggest stage multiple times. So why would something like this be so difficult for you to handle? But again, pressure is pressure. You know, and when you're in Golden State where it's a foregone conclusion and you have all these great players to alleviate all that pressure and the defense can't, focus in on you because there's so much going on, you can get comfortable and get so used to that, that, you know, 
the pressure can catch up to you in a given moment if you're not really always in that fire and going through it, you know? So I think that the, the, the way that the defense just upped itself a notch and he just seemed like he wasn't prepared for that type of intensity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It happens to, it happens to great players. Exactly. Where again, adjustments, adjustments are made, things happen, coaches are coaching. And and that's, and that's one of the things that it looked like Brooklyn just, they kind of didn't really have, it didn't really seem like they changed a lot other than playing Blake Griffin. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in terms of adjustments, but everything else was like, yeah, you know, just keep doing what we're doing. And it's like, what is that? It's like, just try to get Kevin the ball and hopefully he just holds on to it. Yeah. And then once he holds on to it, once he grabs it with both hands, we'll trust whatever decision he makes with it. And it just turned out that a lot of the things happening once he got the ball, finally got a hold of it, finally wasn't poked out of his hand or slapped from behind or anything like that, it wasn't great what happened after he got it because he'd either make an errant pass or he'd missed a shot. His legs yeah. weren't with him. It was just There was just a lot that was off there. And you could kind of see it in his face. And I was like, I can't, I can't put my finger on what is actually taking place. I can't <laughs> figure it out. But it was really bad, you know, for, yeah, for Brooklyn. So off season, yeah, I, I don't know. And I just wanted to add, I think that people are starting to come back to this understanding that defense is a part of this thing. And that if you're going to have a real shot at winning at that level, you're going to need the effort on the defensive end because Boston got more opportunities than Brooklyn did. Brooklyn's whole philosophy for the longest time, at least the way it felt to me, was just give me the ball on offense. Yeah, you go shoot, maybe even score, but when I have the ball, I'm going to outscore you. I'm going to I'm going to play so well on offense that that ability is going to overshadow everything even on the defensive side of the ball and Boston just was not that type of team. So Boston would lock up and score on the other end. Yeah. They'd get the extra they get the extra shots. They'd have the intensity that you needed so that Brooklyn after a while it was like if they like every shot started to matter so much because it was like, if I miss this, Boston's going to come back and score. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how to, they just didn't know how to play D. They didn't know how to get stops. They didn't know how Tatum looked so comfortable. Yeah. He looked, it looked like he was just, a, it looked like a regular season game for Boston. And it looked like the playoffs for the Nets. Because Boston's a real team. They have guys who play roles. There's guys that go out there and understand that, you know, this is my role, this is my job on the team, and this is what I'm going to do. I don't, Brooklyn, I don't, Brooklyn doesn't really have that. They kind of do, but it's, it's a little different. And again, those guys' comments are coming back to kind of haunt them right now at this present time. Like the comment KD made, you know, about why he left Golden State with the whole, I didn't really like the motion offense that we were running because I wanted to get mm-hmm. more into my bag, you know? So, <laughs> You, you got to go in your bag because, again, the coach sort of gave you a green light to do so. But the media knows, casual fans know, and this is what's sort of hitting them up. But, yeah, like Boston, again, a guy like Marcus Smart who's going to come out there every day and say, my job is to lock up the best player, and I'm going to do that. That's my job. And I'm gonna, I, I take that seriously more than anybody. And then yeah. everybody sort of feeds off of that. Because he's going to push them. He's going to fight with them. He's going to hold everybody accountable. You know, he, he said some stuff in the beginning of the year talking about um, Brown and, and, and Tatum being facilitators. He's like, when they're on offense, people are standing around and watching. They're not mm. facilitating the ball. They're not getting rid of it. They're not passing the ball. And he's mm. holding them accountable. And those guys have to go back and look at themselves. They got to get in the locker room. They got to work things out. And by the end of the year, they were clicking. So to get into this playoff series is like clockwork for them. So yeah, yeah, that team, that team is a real team. But then the other thing in Brooklyn, everybody was waiting on the highly anticipated appearance of Ben Simmons 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought he was just sitting out just because he didn't want to play for Philly. I didn't expect that he'd get traded and still not play. I mean, yo, the NBA is getting crazy with this whole <laughs> player sitting out thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm starting to... It, you know what's interesting? You know, there is going to be a collective bargaining agreement meeting at some point soon. You know, and lately, especially with the conversations around Kyrie and him not playing a certain amount of the season and certain other players, and, you know, people keep mentioning they're still getting paid. They're still getting paid, you know? So whether they play a game or not, they're getting all that money versus something like football where, you know, there's clauses inside of the contract. And I really have a feeling that because of what's going on with the way players are handling their responsibilities, that there's going to be a real issue around guaranteed money, you know, and guys being able to collect all that money without having to suit up, especially if you could play, you know, I even heard, I don't know if it's true. I have to go look it up, but was it, was Ben Simmons trying to sue to get, the money that he might have lost for not playing oh, against Philly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, right? I don't like. How is that? How, right? Like, how do you? How do you really feel like you deserve to get the full amount of money that you're supposedly owed and not perform the service? Like, that's the craziest thought to me. That you could ask for that money and even now feel like you have the right to sue them for it and then get traded and not play for the team that you get traded to either. Like this is, I don't know. I don't know how the NBA is going to handle this, but I have a feeling that there's going to be some real discussions and, and, and issues drawn around this whole guaranteed money thing, because I think it's starting to go crazy now where players are just feeling like they're owed the world without even having to do anything in response, you know, and, and, and just to uplift their end of the bargain. Like, so it's going to be interesting, man, because with Ben Simmons, I'm like, you might as well, it almost feels like you should just retire, man. So, so, so the, the, the reason why they're trying to, I guess they're suing with their own cases. They're trying to state that the reason why he was out with the 76ers was mental health issues and he wasn't ready to play. Yeah, it wasn't a protest. It was he was dealing with some stuff. Okay, and and that's what makes it hard because it's like, well, I'm not sitting out because I, I, I always thought, <laughs> I, I always thought, and and I could be wrong, but I did think that he sat out because he demanded a trade, and what? and he was pushing that to happen. So when this whole it was a mental health thing came came up about. A lot of people looked at it kind of sideways. It very well could have mental mental health issues. He very well could be a guy dealing with anxiety. It could be, right? It, it's hard because you play a game that has millions of fans, and you're in the public eye, and you're in that. You, 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 you're, every little thing that you do will be scrutinized. And I never seen this pop up with him before. I've heard other NBA players address mental health issues, especially over the last couple of years. Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, people like that. But those people also always showed up to work. You know what I mean? Those people always continue to play for their team and and sort of do their job. So him sitting out for the mental health thing, and then part of the reason why he didn't play in Game 4 was the mental health aspect. Because they had said... He has been doing some four-on-four. He's been getting better, and his back seems like it could handle the load. And then all of a sudden, game four, you know what I mean? The mental health stuff kicked back in, and he was going to be unable to play. And I think that's what makes this whole thing, in a time like this, a little bit harder to sort of digest. And it makes it harder for people to really, really go after or say anything because it's like, what, what can you really say? We've seen, exactly. yeah, because you, you know, I mean, we've talked about it on here. We've talked about NBA players who've had mental health issues. Michael Beasley, um, mm-hmm. uh, Delonte West, 
Yeah. You know, so absolutely. So you're like you don't want you don't want Ben Simmons to go down that road. You want him to get the help he needs, but at what price? At what cost? You know what I mean? If you really do have mental health issues, maybe you should go and deal with that. I remember Larry Sanders. You remember Larry Sanders from Milwaukee? Yeah, I do. He stepped away from mental health issues. Mm-hmm. He retired early and it was like, okay, he's going to take care of himself. So maybe at this point, Ben Simmons has to look at himself like, look, I, I got a lot of money. I can exactly. take care of my family still. Maybe basketball just isn't for me. Maybe that really is a question. Maybe you should just focus on that. Step away from the game. Step away completely from it. Go take care of that. Because being around the team, I don't think it's going to help something like anxiety or mental health. I don't th- because Right. Or just being a headliner in the media every night now. And you're in the media capital of the world. You know what I mean? Right. You're, you're not in Orlando. You're in New York. So yeah. newspaper articles, television shows, you're mainstream. You're going coast to coast every single night with whatever you do. So I think you really should take a look at that. Now, with that being said, then Brooklyn really, really lost that trade if something like that <laughs> takes place. Yeah, man. And that's going to be the hard part for them going forward is what do they do when it comes to that, so they're saying we need to figure out a way to get this guy back on the floor because we could use him. But when exactly will he be ready? And for how long? I mean, again, can't that just kick in at any moment, any time of the season? Yeah. Right? Like, what about what happens if they get to the finals and he says, yo, you know what, man? This is just too stressful for me. I'm 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 out. I'm I'm gonna sit out the next couple finals games. You know what I mean? Like where where is there a moment where you because if if you're gonna say you know you have a mental illness, then I think you almost have to treat it like an injury. Yeah. Right. So you have to then think that this is a fragile thing, and that this can continue to be something almost like a chronic kind of issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I do believe that if I'm the Nets, I need to get some doctors involved to really assess this young man and his ability to handle stress. Because why should, why again, why should you be required to pay the money to somebody that's not capable of performing the task of their job? Especially somebody who, again, has money, is doing okay for themselves, and now, if you are going to be an adult and say that this is something that you're going through, that you do need to take responsibility still, even if it's something that you're dealing with that's difficult, you still got to take responsibility for it. And then say to yourself, yes, maybe you do need a break. Maybe you do need some time away from all of the attention so that, number one, you can rediscover the love for the game in the first place. And that it not be so much about celebrity and about money. Because then that may be the thing that can help you through it. Because if it's all about how much money you're owed and your contract and who you're dating, then I don't know how you shake that type of thing if it's already something that's sensitive to you. So I think Ben Simmons is in a funny place. You know, it's interesting because we've spent a little bit of time now talking about, you know, young players in high school, college, and them now being in a position to get paid off of their image and likeness, you know, and them growing up in this era of media. And is this the beginning of this trend of players who are having a hard time managing the voices of the media and their followers and all the things that come along with being so exposed and performing? And being able to show up to their job every day. No. I don't think so. Because these these young people are more... I'm trying to find the right word here. But these these kids are on social media all the damn time, no matter what. These guys know how to deal with the media. They are the media. They're, they're consumed by it. I, I think the big problem is what happens when they fail? Because what they get to show on social media 
is success. Right? You get to see the lavish. They're mixtapes. We talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You think that they're the greatest player that ever played the game based on the mixtape. But what happens when they, they go through a failure? That's the side that they're not showing. That's the side I think that's uncomfortable. So with Ben, it's like the first sign of real failure where everything is pointed squarely at you. Now these things come up. Because again, I, th- I think as young people, and, I, and I, always, I always talk about, and I keep saying, and, and it's bad, maybe I should switch it up, but Kentucky players, you know what I mean? And I'm talking about the star kids. These guys are being coddled in the game right now at a young age where they're not having to deal with issues. They're just dealing with success, constant success. No failures. They're not hitting a wall and having to push through. So when they get to this place, how do they know how to deal with that? Can they overcome it? And it's easier to deal with that stuff when the lights and cameras aren't on. It's easier to deal with that stuff in your infancy than trying to manage that stuff as an adult. And this is this is this is the problem. So you got to go back and think. Maybe these AU teams that we've constructed, maybe this stuff is really hurting the game, the shoe companies. Maybe mm-hmm. these prep schools that we're organizing where we're putting all of the best players on one team to beat up everybody else, but these are going to be our future NBA players. Maybe we got to really look at that. And if you're, you're the business, you're the NBA, and you're saying these guys are our products. Ben Simmons is a product of... The Brooklyn Nets. You got to start thinking about that stuff. Like this, some of the stuff in the grassroots level is going to hurt my business later on. We got to clean some of this stuff up. Mm -hmm. And as the shoe company, you're saying, are we giving these guys money too early? You know what I mean? We're expecting these young men based on the fact that we're seeing them in EYBL games, doing windmills and doing all kinds of crazy stuff that these guys are going to be the next Kobe's, LeBron's, Kevin Durant's, and we expose them to all of this stuff. Then they get to the league, we give them all this money, and they fail with it. It's costing us money. So we need to, we really need to think about what it is we're doing here. I don't see, I definitely don't see shoe companies stopping. No. (laughs) Maybe the NBA, because, yeah, the NBA maybe will try maybe to see about how they can help, you know, influence some of the culture that might be, you know, on the lower end to help make sure that these kids are, are being given the right perspectives maybe or the opportunities to succeed. But I, I definitely don't think a company that makes money selling items like shoes like Nike does or any other company is going to stop using these kids. Let's just be honest, right? Using these kids to sell their product because it doesn't matter if the kids succeed or not. Yeah. Right. Like to Nike, it doesn't matter if the kids succeed or not to the NBA. It might to a college. It might maybe even to a high school program. It might, but not to a shoe company. So, you know, I, I think that there definitely needs to be the conversation for sure. I do think that as you see the Ben Simmons of the world, how these situations are playing out that I think programs are going to start to look and say, well, we do need to allow these kids to struggle a little bit. And I think that there's fathers and people who are trying to get their children to the next level that need to start paying attention to what this is and use somebody like Ben Simmons as a case study. Cause that's kind of what I meant was this social media era of player and young person that does always get, you know, shown as this perfect individual that never has any flaws or everything they do works. That now when you're in a pressurized situation where you don't control the media and you don't control the narrative because it's not just you posting about yourself, it's media conglomerates watching your every move and then dissecting it and turning it into headlines for us to watch and to tune into every morning. 
Yeah. You know, like I think of James Harden and I'm like, what could be like, I, I put it this way, the level of, you know, what, I don't even know how to say it right, but I'll just say the level of nobody caring at all about this man and his humanity and how what they're saying and doing might be affecting his ability to perform the, the complete disregard. Like I'm listening to guys making statements like, yeah, James Harden is aged overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, James Harden is, he's a shell of himself. He's just like, yeah. they're, they're talking about him in such a way. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know, you'll hear women <laughs> talking about it. Like they play, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy how people talk about someone, you know? And of course he's a part of social media. He's a part of that world. So these things are going to find their way into his view. He's not going to be completely oblivious to the things that people are saying about him. And this idea of the pressure, like even that the series with the Raptors and how much everybody was stressing that he was the one with the most pressure. It was funny because when I, and just to say, I'm so disappointed in the Raptors. Like, I can't believe they, they <laughs> I can't believe they lost like that. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, just for context, for you guys, the audience, I swear to you, I can stream the game. So I was watching some of it on my phone, and I got to about halftime. And I was like, okay, it's like a one-point game. So I'm thinking, yeah, these guys are going to fight. And it was exciting to me because I was watching Doc Rivers so animated. I'm watching Harden. They're so animated because you could tell they were feeling the pressure. They, they understood the weight of the game. Yeah. You know? So I was like, this is going to be good. Like, I want to see how this plays out towards the end of the game and that pressure, those pressure moments. So for it to be so out of, so, so out of control so quickly, I was like, I literally got in the car and drove, to your house, actually, yeah. <laughs> to watch it with you, because we're like, yeah, this is gonna be good. We're gonna have a lot to talk about. And by the time I got to your house, it was over. I was like, how is that even possible? What kind Hell, of meltdown. I already, I already stopped watching the game. <laughs> yeah, I came in. I was like, yo, what? You're not watching it. You're you were doing something else. I was like, what's going on here? So. You know, just to go back to Harden, though, and, and the fact that I was buying into it. I was looking at it like, yeah, man, I want to see. I want to see how the pressure builds. I want to see if he can handle it. I want to, I, I'm looking forward to how this all played out. But it, this stuff is having an effect on, the, on the, the product. It's having an effect on the way that these guys are performing. And if you have a player who hasn't had to go through any real struggle, and then now finds himself in a situation like what Harden is in. I don't know how many of these younger players are going to be able to handle it the way that some of the older ones would, let alone, to be honest, a lot of them did not buy into and feed so much into the media. You know, players would be turning their phones off, turning their social media off. Now guys are doing podcasts in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah, it's, you know, like <laughs> we t- we talk about it, the business. You know, I was at the barbershop, and that was that was the thing that came up, where these guys were looking at LeBron like, yeah, you know, what I mean, it's a business. He's a great businessman, and I was like, yeah, if you're a casual fan of the game, if you're just a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of competition, you just don't like the way he goes about it. But if you're looking at business. You're like, I can't be mad because when the owners do business, yeah, they make decisions that, you know what? It's all about that. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I don't know, man. Sometimes I just (laughs) look at this stuff and I'm just like, sometimes the, the league is so much of a soap opera that I'm like, I don't know what to say. I really, I, I really don't. Sometimes it's, it's unwatchable. Because it's not about mm-hmm. basketball. It's about controversy. It's about everything else external. It's about comments that were said. It's about, it's not about the game, you yeah. know? And a lot of times we get to go and we try to dissect it. We try to look at social issues. We try to look at the game. We try to look at the past. We 
we we incorporate a lot of stuff. And today's NBA is more messed up more than ever. Yeah. Because as a fan, I just want to see you play basketball. I, I get it. You're a human being, but I don't care all that much. And, and a lot of people don't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people just want to see the greatest players in the world be the greatest players in the world. You know? I don't... I, I don't you know what? I never knew what Michael Jordan's religion was. Mm. I didn't know. It didn't concern me. You know what I mean? Especially as a kid. That, you know, that, as a kid, I never even knew what Hakeem Olajuwon's religion was. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these are these are. I, great. I, I just didn't know. It, it wasn't really talked about. It was just, man, this guy's really good. I, I didn't realize until now that yeah, he fasted during his NBA championship run. Because yeah. he's a Muslim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? Akeem Olajuwon yeah. is a Muslim? And like, Akeem? That makes sense. You know what I mean? I get I get yeah, yeah, And like, you know what? Yeah. Honestly, the media never focused on it either. No. They never made that the story. Because the game itself could... The game could carry itself. Yeah. The game was enough. It was, it was enough. We didn't need any extras to make this thing happen. Today's game needs a whole lot of hoopla and extras to make it what it is. And, and and I think that's some of the hardest things to deal with at a time like this. You're like, can you guys just sometimes just play basketball? And that's why yeah. I love the unsung heroes. I love the guys who come out of nowhere. We love our Jordan Pools here. We love our Desmond yeah. Baines. You know what I mean? Love those yeah. guys because those guys. Or Alvarado. Yeah, that kid I love Alvarado. Right? You 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 see, you seen me, man. I love that kid. I love Jones, Herbert Jones. I I love these guys. I love what they bring to the table because it's just pure basketball. They don't care about your name. They don't care about your stature. They don't care how many Instagram yeah. followers you have. They're just there to play basketball. They're gonna hound you. They're gonna bother you. They're gonna step. They're gonna fight. And you as yeah. and as a person who loves competition, as a as human race, we've always loved the ga- gladiators. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, sure, there could have been a gladiator who had a mental problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we never ever. You know what I mean? That that probably wasn't yeah. discussed. Like, I mean, you you got to go in there and fight to the death. Now, I, I don't think you want to be able to discuss that. Your only choice yeah. right now is to win. And I, I But that's the truth. Yeah. That, that's the truth. Think about that though. Like imagine now you're competing and you're expecting sympathy from the the opposition. Yeah. Like think about how harsh competition was at one one point. So now imagine someone like Ben Simmons now has anxiety now. And some cold blooded c- competitor of his Decides that he's going to now use that against him. Yeah. He's going to start to speak to it. He's going to use it and mock him. He's gonna, Because these guys want to win and they don't care what it takes. I remember the one time where Garnett, man. I think it was the time where he was in New York and he, and he was talking crazy to Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. You know, I think you might have said something about, His you know, life. yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like to the point where Carmelo was waiting for him at the team bus yeah, to, to sort it out. You know what I mean? Like guys would go too far, you know? So I, I just remember that era. I remember an era where you didn't want people to know your weaknesses like that. You didn't use them as a crush. You didn't use them in order to gain something. And again, I'm not going to say he's just using it. It could be fully legitimate, but you didn't even allow it to be a factor when it came time. You know, all that mattered was once you stepped on the floor, you were willing and ready to outlast your opponent. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think is missing. I think there's so much around the game before the game even starts. That it's like you said, it's in a distraction from the game. The players themselves don't look focused because their mind is all over the place. Yeah, like I've never seen, I've never seen superstar players 
have such up and down series and games ever. I've never seen it. I've never seen a guy go beyond fire one game yeah. and then be so cold the next game and then be back on fire again and then be cold and back. I've never seen that. Yeah. I can honestly say that you knew what you were going to get. Now it's like, I don't know. Today might be a different day. Again, it was like when you were talking about betting on Carl Anthony Towns yeah. to get six and a half rebounds and the man had four. You're like, how is that possible? Based on your size and the role that you play and the proximity you are to the basket, how is it possible yeah. that you could get less than six rebounds as a guy that's basically seven feet tall and the leader of your team? Yeah. But for some reason, there's these things that are going on where guys are just checking out mentally. Yeah. And that is the thing that makes a player great is their mental state. Yeah. How focused can you remain? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of guys right now, their, their minds are just too many places and it's affecting their ability to perform consistently. Mm -hmm. So is it a good idea to be doing all these things while you're trying to be the best player or should you wait a little bit until your career is over and then venture into those things? The question. Yeah. But, but again, th they're not seeing the game as just a game. They're seeing it as a business. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the thing. So they're just, they're just making business moves. So if, if LeBron James is like, I can make movies and TV shows while I'm in the league. It's just like, yeah, that's just a business move. You know what I mean? Everybody's creating these business avenues because they just see money, yeah. dollar signs. You know what I mean? Setting your family up, all of these things. The game, the game feels secondary. Mm -hmm. Most part. You know what I mean? You, these guys are trying to maximize their careers. That's why load management's come into play. They're trying to, yeah. they're, they're trying to stretch it out. They're trying to they're trying to maximize on things that guys never thought about before. Yeah, you know, like you remember guys playing. He's in his twelfth year; it's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? He gave everything he had to the game. He played twelve years of eighty-two games. You know what I mean? Yeah. That yeah. he's he's done. But it was like we those those twelve years were some of the greatest twelve years ever. Yeah, and that's what we appreciated about it. But it, but it allowed for a new crop of guys to come in, yep. and take over the league and do something with it. You know what I mean? There was a there was a good changing of the guard, and yeah. right now, it just feels like uh, LeBron's never gonna retire. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get it, Kareem. Yeah. I I've seen it before. I'm tired. Like I'm. I, I, as much as 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 great as a basketball player as he is, I don't want to see him anymore. To be honest, <laughs> I, I've seen enough. I, I've seen enough for a lifetime. I don't want to see it. I get it. I get it. Whatever. Call yourself the greatest of all time. If that's what it takes for you never to come back, that'd be that'd be great. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't want it anymore. But that's. <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly really it. I'm just uh, this game is too much. So you look at Kevin Durant. You're like, you've been playing a while now. You know what I mean? Maybe it's time to let Tatum do his thing. You know what I mean? We get it. You won your two rings. I'm not even gonna hold the Golden State thing against you. I'm not. Just go, go. You know what I mean? Because if this is what you're doing right now, I don't want to see it again. I don't. I love these guys. You know what I mean? I, I do, but I don't care. I'm tired. You know what I mean? Let Bane. I want to see Bane. I want to see Alvarado. I want to see some young blood. I just want to see some guys fight and play and do all of this stuff. I'm tired of the business of basketball. As a fan, as men, I respect you guys for what you guys do for you and yours. But as a fan, I don't want to see it anymore. It's disgusting. I can't take it anymore. You know what I mean? I, I, it's, it's weird watching Draymond Green interview players. Is it weird yeah. for you? It's weird. Yes. <laughs> like, 
like it's weird. It's, it's, it's awkward. It's, it's awkward. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's a, it's almost it feels like overkill. I get you know what I mean? Like you understand what Chuck, um, Kenny and and Shaq do in that TNT studio because they're ex players. You know yeah. what I mean? They're done. Yeah. It's weird watching guys. You want to know? Active. You, you want to know? It's Gary V, bro. Of For course. anybody that's that's never it's heard content. of Gary V before, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. It's it's Gary. It's Gary, and he's a hell of a he's a hell of a marketer. He knows he knows this internet thing. He knows how algorithms work. He knows and stresses to a lot of these players to squeeze the moment that they have because everybody cares about them right now because they're playing and this is their opportunity to get the attention that they need to continue their careers in other lanes. So I've seen Draymond Green and Gary Vee interact. So yeah. I know that they're actually, <laughs> they, they communicate, right? Yeah. And obviously Draymond Green and these guys are in San Francisco and, you know, there's all these different things going on in the tech world and what have you. So it is interesting and the potential could be worth billions of dollars. Yeah. So like you're saying, it makes sense for you to do it as a man, but for the person who's the fan of the game, it's like, bro, I don't even want you guys to be friends. Yeah. Truthfully, I don't like it. It's fun. It, it makes me think of what I saw with Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum in the game. And, Jalen Rose even mentioned it. He's like, bro, you're smiling and laughing with the guy while you're on the verge of getting swept. If I'm on your team and, I'm, and I see that, I'm like, what, what's going on here? Yeah. I'm diving on the floor. I'm going through it. And you're chuckling with the guy who's clamping you. And who, like, nah, man. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't want to see that. Like, yeah. I don't want to think that you guys are cool. That after the game, you're going to be at the club together. I don't want to. I don't want that to be the case. Yeah, I want to believe that you care about this thing the way I do. Yeah, and that you wear it on your chest, and that you know that I wouldn't want to see you best friends with the enemy. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, as a fan of the Brooklyn Nets. You know what? Thinking about it now, you know what? You know what I'm mad about? Because I didn't get to see Kevin Durant drape up a man during the series. You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't. There see, was no fight. I didn't see any emotion. I didn't see a little bit of anger. I didn't have to see nobody breaking. You remember the Kevin Durant that was talking to Westbrook? I want to see that. Mm. Give me that. Give me the guy that's like, yeah, I am the best player in the world. Looking at Giannis, you know what I mean. Looking at LeBron and and, and hitting walk off threes, like that's that's I need to see that. Or and even what him and Embiid were going through early in the season. Exactly. That's that's what I want. That's what we. That's what we're craving. That's what we're dying for. So when the lights are on and it's bright and it's go time, I don't want to hear it. I just want you to yeah. go. Even if, even if you went down. Go down as a guy who's willing to fight. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. we kind of want to see. And now it's like, I need to sit this one out. My thumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Kobe Bryant's ripping off nails and dislocating fingers. Yeah. That's what we expect. So, that's what I, so I actually just found that out today that Embiid was going to be sitting out. Is yeah. that really what's going to happen? Like, Yeah, it's, yeah he's going to miss game one. They just didn't want to wow. get embarrassed with the whole Toronto thing. So it's like, oh, we're just doing it not to get embarrassed, but it's, it's okay to lose now. <laughs> it's like... Right? It's, In the it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Man. We're being a little harsh at this show, but I, I'm frustrated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jeez. It is. It, uh, no, it really... It really is, but it's a contrast also because in the same breath, I want to say that's why I love Memphis. That's why I enjoyed watching the Pelicans play. That's why even Minnesota, to a degree, was fun Like because you have a bunch of guys that don't have, quote-unquote, a name. So the only thing they have is how they perform on the court. Yeah. 
there's guys on Memphis that no one's ever heard of. Mm-mm. And the only way that you'll ever know who they are is by how they play. Right. So they're not wrapped up. I've seen, I seen Desmond Bain mm-hmm. dive for a ball and land square on his chest. Yeah, yeah. And then pop back up and keep going. I'm like, what in the world is driving this guy? Yeah. Flat on his chest, straight dive. And he just got back up like it was nothing and kept playing D. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the type of energy and effort that comes out of Memphis, which is why you can't help but root for them and look forward to whoever it is that they play. Right. Because it's going to be great. And as you're speaking of, you know, what's going on with the elder statesmen of the league, my thought goes back to a statement I made to you you know, probably episodes ago in the earliest episodes when I said, I don't even care that these guys are doing what they're doing, meaning the older guys, as long as the young players are not teaming up with these guys. Mm. Because if the game is the game, then the purity of the game will still play itself out in the end. And that's what it started to look like. You're seeing the two teams that were picked to be in the finals against each other and one of the two was supposed to win it, one never even made the play-in. And the other one got swept in the first round. Yeah. So to me, everything that we're talking about, and even though it irks you and me to see some of the things happening, if you watch, the game is purifying itself. Yeah. Almost. You know what I mean? Because the new talent, the new blood, is coming in and they don't have all that stake in all the stuff that these guys are doing. And all they know is that my reputation, my future, my contract, my family depends on how I play today. Yeah. And you see it happening so that, yeah, it is to a point where you're like, maybe you haven't retired, but you're not on the stage anymore. Mm -hmm. You're not the conversation anymore. Because if you're cheating or if you're just not going full tilt with the game, then somebody else will. And that's who's going to end up in that position. So as much as we may not love it, those are the teams that are on the brink of not being relevant at all. Yeah. So, so be it. Right. So be it. And I just think that, for me, I'm just enjoying seeing the new guys coming up. I'm, I, I really felt good. As much as I would have liked to have seen Brooklyn still be in it and Brooklyn be playing the Bucks, yeah. I don't mind seeing Boston in the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're gonna they're gonna play. They're gonna play hard, exactly. and they're gonna give they're gonna give the Bucks everything they have. And I know Giannis ain't backing down. No way. Tatum ain't backing down. Smart ain't backing down. You know what I mean? These guys are not going to back down. And it's going to be, It's. I think it's going to make for one of the better series. I think really the matchups that you're looking at now in these eighth seed, yeah. I mean, uh, these last eight teams, I think it's really going to be something. I'm looking forward to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hopefully it's just about the game. And hopefully, yeah. I get to watch some, hopefully we get to watch some good basketball. Maybe a little bit of the drama sort of left the room, and now we can focus back on the game. You know, um, I, agree. I did want to bring this to your attention. Remember, we made those those picks in the first episode on on which team was gonna or which individuals are gonna win certain awards. Uh huh. And so I was looking back on it mid season. I was looking at it mid season, like, okay, here's where we're gonna be. Um. MVP, we you said Curry, I said CP3. Yeah. I don't think either of those are going to take place. No. <laughs> Rookie of the year, we had Scotty Barnes, both of us, mm-hmm. which we hit on. Defensive player of the year, you said Draymond, I said Giannis. Marcus Smart won that. Mm-hmm. Coach of the year, Billy Donovan, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> no. And the NBA championships, you said the Bucks. Which is they're still in it, and I said Brooklyn. So yeah, and I'm I'm really rooting for the Bucks, man. I think I just want to see Giannis step into that 
position of, you know, having an opportunity to cement himself amongst the greatest. And I think that if he gets the taste of back-to-back titles, there's going to be a standard that's put on him to such a point where I just think that he has the kind of mentality where he has to show up every single night. And for the next seven to eight years, they're going to have to figure out what to do with this guy. Yeah. You know, so I really am looking forward to seeing him now battle without Chris Middleton because, and I've been saying it privately, I'm looking to see, I'm looking forward to seeing this guy turn into Super Saiyan 5 right now. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think without Middleton, it's going to require everything that he has in order to come through this playoff with the championship because he's going to not only need to be dominant physically, he's going to need to be efficient. Yeah. So he's going to have to shoot a good percentage. Yep. He's going to have to make his free throws. Yep. He's going to have to be able to create offense for his team. Yep. Of course, he has to control the glass. Mm-hmm. He's also going to have to stay out of foul trouble. Yep. So he's going to have to really think the game. Yeah. He's not going to be able to just run wild. He's going to have to become a master. Yep. You know what I mean? And that only happens when you have circumstances that are unfavorable that require you to start to manipulate and mastermind the outcomes of these games now, whether it's your own energy levels, whether it's when you're checking in and out of the game based on who's checking in. Mm -hmm. I think all of that is going to matter for for Giannis to be able to get his team back to the finals and to finally win the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's possible for him. And I think his time is now. I think this is the moment where everything can come together for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm, I, that's what excites me and that's what I'm hoping will take place but what I'm very interested in is the West mm. because who do you think gets to the final? How do you see and even how do you see the Phoenix and Dallas series playing out? Ah uh, man that one's tough. But, but That's going to be a tough series. Yeah. Man. If I was a betting man, I would say Phoenix. But Dallas, man. I don't know what they could do with Luka. Um, they, the Phoenix has a has the ability to throw a couple guys at him, but Jalen Brunson's hooping right now, too. That guy's yeah. a problem. Um, I do think... I think Phoenix. I think yeah. Phoenix is just... They're just a professional team. They're going to get it done. I, I think so. I think Phoenix, um, as much as I want Memphis to win, I think Golden State pulls that out too. So if you're asking me who's going to be in the finals, I think it's going to be Golden State. At you, know, you know what? The other day, Golden State, the last game actually, when Golden State beat Denver, mm-hmm. I was very concerned. And I was bothered. And what bothered me and concerned me was that Jordan Poole was not on the floor. In the last six or seven minutes, I'd never seen him. And I was like, what's going on? Did he get hurt or something? Like, what was going on? But he was not in the game in crunch time. He had his run. What are you talking about? I I seen a play where he got the rebound. Clay was asking for it. And then he brushed Clay off, and Clay gave that. Yo, what's wrong with this guy? I think they knew. Yeah, a good yeah. run. Back, you know what I mean? But it's time to wheel him yeah, back yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Know yourself. You know what I mean? So, I think I ah. think it's it's been a good run. I think they're. And if and if you're asking me what I think, part of, part of it, I think they're. I think they're gonna try. I think they're gonna use him a little bit. They're gonna try to use him a little bit more, less sparingly, to try to to try to drive down his contract value. Oh man! <laughs> so that would be the business of the NBA. I, that's what I. That's what I. That's the, that's the pessimist thinking. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're like, this guy's up for an extension. Jeez. 
<laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And when, you, and when you're looking at him, you're like, this guy could command like a max. You know yeah. I mean? Some some team could give him something stupid. You know what I mean? Like we gotta be careful here. Right? So <laughs> I do think if, but if we if we keep him out of the limelight a little bit, you know what I mean? I think we have an opportunity to to retain him at a different level. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah, what's going on. I, uh, again, I, something's going on because I was like, where is he? What's going on? This doesn't make any sense. How are you guys allowing this to happen? And to be honest, I was like, look, man, either either Wiggins has to go to the bench and you play a three-guard situation or Clay needs to. You need, we need to have one of those Eagle Dollar moments when Kerr spoke to Iggy and said, hey, look, man, you know, I know what you came here for, but in order for us to win another championship, or at that time, win a championship, we need you to come off the bench. And honestly, either Wiggins or Clay, in my opinion, and I would probably say that it would be Wiggins because he'd be more willing to probably, but if I had to do it, I would go to Clay Thompson and say, hey, look, man, we need you to come off the bench because you're such an efficient scorer and you're so good at what you do that I don't think coming off the bench would impact your productivity at all. But I do believe that Poole coming off the bench, it has an impact on how he plays and how productive he is. The same way that Harrison Barnes was in the position where it, when he started coming off the bench, he wasn't producing the same as he was when he was a starter. And that's why Iggy coming off the bench made more sense. I think in this case, it's kind of a similar scenario where Poole produces 10 times more when he starts the games versus when he's coming off the bench. And I don't think it affects Clay in the same way. And if it's about winning and winning a championship, Pool is going to be a factor in them winning a championship. Without pool balling, I don't think they win a championship. I'll say it that way. But it's a business. Follow the money. <laughs> Follow the money. Yeah, that's what I think. Follow the money. I hope. Not. I hope. I hope in their case not. I hope they're more interested in the product than you know what it yields. But obviously, it is a business. Hell, the players are the players are about the business. Uh, why can't the owners? <laughs> but yeah, look, right. yeah, we gotta, we gotta. I, I guess this one has. We gotta cut this one short, so we gotta wrap it up. But yeah, I know, I, I, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed. I definitely enjoyed this episode. Um, <laughs> you kind of hear yeah. it right now, though the whole world is going crazy behind me. But yeah, you know what I mean. Let's pick yeah. it up next time until the next one. So. Peace out. Definitely. Peace. Peace.